0: Blue wire. New England sending QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers, we believe we found the right guy, Garoppolo quick pass caught by Kittle, he dives and he's in,
1: touchdown 49ers, Kittle is going to go, touchdown, what is going on ladies and gentlemen, Welcome to another episode of striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. This week's episode is sponsored by betonline.ag. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for NinersNation.com and joining me tonight as always is my co-host, former NFL defensive back, the dependable all-around good guy, Eric Crocker. What's going on, brother? How you feeling?
2: Oh man, I'm doing I'm doing good, man. I'm Considering this dang uh coronavirus, man, it's kind of throwing everything off.
1: I know, man. I mean, things are things are weird, especially for me right now. I mean, for you too, because you worked at a school too. So, right. I mean, it's it's a Tuesday, and I've been home all day. And you know, like on yesterday, I sent out my first couple of like online assignments, which is hard to do for an art class. Um, but I sent out my first couple of assignments, and I got some questions back, and I got some students that are kind of finishing them up, but. Other than that, I'm just sitting around, you know, like trying to find ways to stay busy. Uh, Me and my girlfriend have been going on walks and stuff and like, you know, little jogs, just trying to stay active because I don't even have an excuse to walk anymore. Like, you know, like, uh, you know, you're you're not supposed to go anywhere. I'm not, I'm not walking around my classroom, doing my thing with my students. I'm not out at baseball practice you know jogging around swinging the baseball bat like I just I have nothing to do <laughs> so it's it's just a weird now there's some people out there that are obviously working their asses off you know shout out to all the, the nurses health care providers you know doctors everybody that's helping you know make this thing go away as fast as it can but as far as, as far as it goes for me and them canceling schools there's I don't have much to do
2: yeah no nah, I mean it's similar for me too man like I mean I take my kids to the park Today, I actually did a workout there and, you know, I, there's 7 Eleven up the street. And this morning I went to go get some milk and I was like, oh man, you know, forget driving. Like, let me jog, you know, just to kind of like keep myself active a little bit, you know?
1: Yeah, it's, it's been weird. It's just, it's just been weird. And, and like I walked to, I don't know if, if anybody listening to this knows what Dutch Bros is, it's like a coffee place. Um, But I have one right down the street. So we walk there and they have a, it's not like a full establishment, like there's no place to go inside, but they do have a walk up window and they have a drive through window and they had, there were quite a few people there, but with their, their line that you had to, would have to stand in, they had all these cones that were like pretty much six feet apart. And they basically told everybody in line, you have to stand next to a cone. And so you had this like line that was all stretched out with no one person standing close to another person. And, you know, we did our thing and then we, uh, we walked home, but it's just, it's just weird, man. It's crazy. I went to, we went to uh, Costco the other day and I was just expecting this you know like stampede of people and and all the essential stuff to be sold out cuz we like genuinely needed paper towels and toilet paper like we weren't trying to stockpile any of it we just would like to get some for the normal use and we were uh, we were lucky enough that they had some so it's just it's been weird it's just weird times man yeah, well
2: I went to the DMV one morning and um, I mean they were only letting in a certain amount of people. Luckily, I got there like super early. Um, but uh, like even there, they had the chairs all like spread out, <laughs> you know, hella right. far away from each, you know, each one. And yeah, no, nah, it was weird times, man. It's weird times.
1: Yeah, I have a I have a DMV appointment next month, and I know I think they just recently changed it to where you can only go to the DMV, or you can only go in if you have an appointment. So that'll be a weird experience because obviously the the California DMV is usually insane. right? So I got to go get me one of them real IDs that they say we need now.
2: Oh, yeah. When, when does it kick in to where it's like you have to have it?
1: I th- well, I think it kicked in this year. I think it was 2020 where, like, if you want to fly, you have to have it starting now. Oh, I think shit. it already started. I know. So um, we'll see. We'll see. Um, but, yeah. So, I mean, on the 49ers front, I guess things haven't haven't necessarily been as slow as Crocker and I's lives have been Um, just over the past few days. They made some, you know, some, I don't know what you would call them, some maintenance signings, some, some depth signings. That's a hard word to say on the fly. Depth. Depth. Um, So, I mean, just running down the list, uh, they signed wide receiver, Travis Benjamin, formerly of the chargers. They signed linebacker, Joe Walker, formerly of the Cardinals. And they signed defensive lineman Kerry Heider, formerly of the Cowboys. So, you know, and the the best part about the offseason to me, and I'm being sarcastic right now, for those of you that can't pick up on that, obviously you can't see my face, um, is when you see the comments on social media, whether it be Twitter or Facebook or wherever, of people reacting to these roster signings as if the 49ers were trying to swing for the fences and like failed. Like.
2: Yeah. So, okay. So before before we even not to cut you off, when I, when I was texting you, um, you know, about the show, uh, I said that I wanted to ask you something. Right. Okay. And I would kind of like get into this, you know, the whole thing of the, of the signings. Um, but I'm, um, I'm basically reacting to, you know, a lot of the social media I don't want to say criticism, but just kind of how people have been taking it, right? And my question to you is, and really to everybody, do you trust the 49ers for, uh, front office?
1: Are you, uh, you want me to answer that right well, now? Well,
2: yeah, I'm you. asking you. Do you trust Do you trust yeah. them? Do you
1: trust yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, right, so, I don't believe they're infallible, but uh, yeah, I trust them. I think that yeah. they've done a good job and they should have earned everybody's trust.
2: I feel like for the most part, and I've kind of tried to look at, you know, I look at all the decisions that they've made. Um, the way I see it is I always try to, I don't, I typically don't react like too much one way or the other. Right. Um, I try to always look at everything through the lens of a GM and I don't think, uh, I can't, I can't think of too many decisions that they've made where I was like, why the hell would they do that? Um, I look at everything kind of for what it is. So when you look at some of these signings that they've had this week, Travis Benjamin and other guys, is like, I don't know if Travis Benjamin is gonna even make this team. I didn't think it was a signing like that. You know, I saw other people like, well, that means Richie James is gone. I don't think so. Now, yeah, there's competition for Richie James, you know, as a return guy. Um, there's competition for, you know, Goodwin if they don't release him yet or, you know, whatever they're doing with him. But I don't think that Benjamin's a lock to make this team I didn't think it was that type of signing. So I see a lot of people in the way that they react to some of these signings and different things that the 49ers have done and to me I think they've earned the respect to you know kind of wait and see and not overreact one way or the other. That's just kind of my opinion. I I I've, I've been I don't trust say critical. There have been moments where I'm like they got to do they got to and then they did it. Right. Like last year, I wrote an article for 49 and I was like, now's the time like you need to trade for, you know, a receiver. You have an opportunity to get, you know, the A.J. Green or Emmanuel Sanders. Those were, you know, Sanu, those were guys that were you kind of heard, you know, about trade talks and they went and died, did it. I think that the 49ers have been way more aggressive than we kind of give them credit for, um, whether it was, you know, trading for D Ford. Uh, trading for Jimmy Garoppolo, even though I know a lot of people don't give them credit for that because, you know, it kind of like landed in their, their lap. But even during that offseason, what, what, you know, what's the story that came out? You know, John Lynch was over there trying to ask for Tom Brady. Like he asked for Garoppolo. Okay, you don't want to give him up? What about Tom Brady? Like these guys have been aggressive pretty much every step of the way. Like pretty much as aggressive as you could be um, while trying to build a roster the right way, right? And... In three years, while dealing with a ton of injuries and all type of other stuff, they built a roster that competed, and not just competed, but, I mean, they were in the Super Bowl. And up 10 points with six minutes left. So I just look at it like, you know what, man, these 49ers, they've, I feel like they've earned the respect, and they've earned the right to kind of like not, I don't want to say not be questioned, like they're like God or something, but they do deserve a wait and see. Type of approach from more fans than what I'm kind of, you know, getting the vibe of on on like Twitter. If that makes right,
1: sense. and and I and I think it goes both ways too. Like there's the wait and see approach applies to everything, and that that could change something for the better, or it could change something for the worse. Like you know, obviously the Solomon Thomas pick has kind of always stood out as you know the one that hasn't worked out, but but at the same time, there was a point where Ruben Foster was considered like the best pick of the entire draft. Like in his, in his first year, the guy was just playing with his hair on fire and looked like the the next Patrick Willis or whatever you want to equate him to. And obviously that very, very, very quickly fell apart. So it's, you know, it's important to have hindsight for both reasons. Something could look like a great move right at the start and that kind of you know falls away, or it could look like a horrible move, but things are gonna have its way of panning out. I know a lot of people that hated the the Mike McGlinchey pick when they took him, and, and were in no way expecting a, a tackle to be drafted there, and that's worked out great. He's been outstanding for the 49ers, and there's just so many different things. You know, obviously I wasn't because you wanted to wait to talk about it on the pod, so I wasn't prepared to like you know bring up all the. And that's an interesting episode that we, we will now have to do on our way up to uh, on our way up to the draft. Is you know the pluses and minuses of, of John Lynch in the 49ers front office, things they've done well and things they haven't done well. But that's you know it's 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 right what you're saying. It's like just look, they're they're not going to sabotage themselves. They're not going to purposely pick players who they think purposely pick worse players when they have an opportunity to get a better player they're building out a roster. The 49ers ended the season with their practice squad and a 53-man roster essentially, and now they have to build that back up to 90 players. Um, obviously they're going to sign, they're going to have their draft class, they're going to have undrafted free agents, and there's going to be guys that they want to bring in to just compete and push players around them and it wouldn't be a surprise if all three of the guys that they just signed none of them made the roster. Right. Like that's just the way it goes and and you know, I I would think A lot of the people probably listening to this podcast are smarter than the people I'm talking to right now. Um, But you don't have to react react to every signing as if that person is intended to be starting on this team. Or even make the roster, like Crocker said. Like there's just guys that you sign because you need, you know, 12 wide receivers in camp. And you want to sign some guys that will be cheap yet can compete or push the guys around them. And you don't necessarily expect them to make the roster. So it's just, it should none of it's worth overreacting. It's just let the roster take shape. The forty, as far as maintaining pieces that went to the Super Bowl last year, I feel like so far they've done pretty. They, they exceeded my expectations when it came to keeping the guys they had. You know, and the fact that they kept Eric Armstead, they kept Jimmy Ward, um, and ended up losing Emmanuel Sanders and DeForest Buckner. But at the same time, they got a little bit back in return for that. So a little
2: you know, bit. I mean, the thirteenth pick. Think of a time like how many players have you been able to move, and I and I kind of want to touch on the whole trade too quickly. But how many players have have you seen be able to move for that high of a pick?
1: That it doesn't, it doesn't. A lot happen. of times
2: it's the unknown. Like they get the unknown pick, right? You, it's like, oh, you know, I trade Khalil Mack, and I get a first this year or first next, you know, whatever. But you don't know where that picks in the land. The next thing you know, the the the, the Bears pick is in the mid twenties, right? Um, you know the Amari Cooper trade. Like they didn't know where the Cowboys were going to pick, but then the Cowboys ended up making like the divisional round playoffs. Well, this was the pick where you knew exactly where that pick was, and you traded that player straight up for the 13th overall pick. Well, it's funny um, you say
1: that too, because the, when the Chiefs, when the Chiefs, <laughs> when the Chiefs traded D. Ford, I can guarantee you they thought that was going to be a pretty decent second round pick. Right. And now it's all the way. It's you know it's two picks away from being a third rounder, right? So it's you know you just like you said, you just you never know where those those draft assets are going to
2: land. Can can I touch on the whole um, Armstead? Bro, this is, thing?
1: this is this is fifty percent your podcast, man. You can touch on whatever you want, man. <laughs> all
2: right. So I know I, I know you chimed in too. So this this was just kind of my my logic behind this whole thing. I, I, just how I think. This is how Eric Kroger thinks. All right. So. I knew that somebody had to be moved. Now, you know, whether it was Armstead or whatever, I knew somebody had to be moved. Um, It ended up being DeForest Buckner. When I saw that DeForest Buckner was traded and, you know, I saw people like, well, now you replace him with the 13th overall pick. And I'm like, no, you, you don't. He's already replaced. Armstead's his replacement. Now, this is the thing that I think people are kind of getting, I don't want to say confused, but Armstead and Buckner were drafted to play the same position. They were both 3-4 ends. Unfortunately, they ended up uh, switching the scheme, and now you have two, uh, did I say 4-3 ends? I mean 3-4. There were two 3-4 ends. They switched the scheme to a 4-3, and now... They're, they're not nose, they're not like nose tackles. You know what I'm saying? They're like the three, four ends So when you play them at defensive tackle, there's one that's typically a little bit more like a nose. And then you have one that's like them. Well, you know, especially like in base. Well, you can't play Armstead and Buckner both inside together. You need a bigger guy, a bigger, like more squattier, a DJ Jones, um, uh, or Earl Mitchell. You need one of those guys next to them. So the 49ers, for the last couple of years, they've, they've been just trying to figure out what the hell do we do at Armstead? So, hey, let's play them at defensive end, in base, and then let's move them inside on passing situations. That's their way of just maximizing the the talent that they have on their roster, which I thought was smart. You know what I'm saying? That's a way to utilize this guy, um, to, so, and it's a good fit for how he does that. And he played extremely well in that role. But ideally, if there was no Buckner, you would have Armstead at the three-tech right next to DJ Jones. That's where he would play ideally. You wouldn't have him on the edge, but they were forced to play him on the edge because they didn't have anywhere else to put him. And they just figured out a way to make everything work. So when they got rid of Buckner, all it was like, well, they already have Buckner's replacement. They have Armstead. Armstead is just going to play the position that he ideally would have played. Now, yes, you have to figure out um, what to do with uh, Solomon Thomas, right? And I think now Solomon Thomas plays more of a role that Armstead played. And I think Solomon Thomas, as a run defender on the outside, is pretty good. You just get absolutely nothing from him uh, as a pass rusher, which you actually did get something from Armstead as a pass rusher off the edge. Even though ideally that's not where you want to play him, in passing situations. But Solomon Thomas, you know, if it's, you know, pin 10 and you think they're going to run the ball, you're fine with him on that edge. And I think ideally in a perfect world, you would like to get more from him as an interior pass rusher. So basically Solomon Thomas now plays more of a role that's really better suited for him. And they're not just trying to figure it out for him. That's actually a role that's really best suited for him. Like if he's going to be, any type of what they thought he would be, it would be in this type of role where he starts on the outside and he's a solid run defender there and he moves inside and becomes a good pass rusher from the interior. You hope it works. I don't know if you count on it, right? And then you have D4 coming. So to me, I look at the defensive line with all the guys that they have and I think the defensive line is set. So I kind of touched on it because I saw a lot of guys. I keep hearing Kenlaw, Kenlaw, Kenlaw or Brown from Auburn. And I'm like, if you draft. One of those guys, you basically end up with the same situation. Not saying it was a bad situation, but a, almost a, a position, uh, kind of overcrowded in the sense of having all you know this four three sub package guy. Then have to move him back inside. I think ideally you just want Armstead inside. You have DJ Jones next to him. You have Bosa, and and then and, in and passing situations, forward on the outside. And I think that's your primary guys, and then you have a. Uh, and then you have reserve guys like DeJuan, uh, uh Blair, uh, Blair coming off of you know Ronald Blair coming off of his injury. You hope he can uh, give you something there. They they signed a the guy from the Cowboys. I don't know if he even makes the team, but I do know he is the pass rusher. Um, so that's just kind of how I was looking at it. Where I keep seeing replace DeForest Buckner, and I'm like, the dude's already replaced. So I'm sorry about the rant, but <laughs> I had to get that out because I know a lot of people are like, oh no, no this and that, and I'm like, man. Like, I, kind of
1: I feel it. like I feel like a lot of the comments we get on Twitter sound just like that.
2: I at Whatever you just read did. It. Oh no! <laughs> I think at least that's how I read it. <laughs> yeah, I know.
1: I know. I get you. I can feel that. That's that's facts. Um, now, with me, when because uh, I I respond when you put out your little defensive line on Twitter, I I wrote back and the way my logic when looking at that, and I don't really think either way is the wrong way because I think they could probably have success either way. But Armstead had far and away his best season with the 49ers as a defensive end. Now, if you switched Eric Armstead and DeForest Buckner and Eric Armstead played on the interior uh, where Buckner played all year, does that mean that he has a lesser season? Not necessarily. I mean, I, he just had a good season. And maybe he could have had that season uh, at either spot. You know, But the way I saw it is he had far and away his best season at defensive end and and maybe – you know and it's kind of a scary thought if you're if you're a positive person maybe he's only getting better and maybe if you leave him at that spot he could be even better at that spot or you know like you said you can put him back where where Buckner was because I think the 49ers always considered Buckner to be you know a, a tier ahead or a tier better than Armstead right that's why they were able to get a 13th overall pick for him but you leave him there and then you plug Solomon Thomas in where Buckner used to be and, and so the really and essentially the only moving piece you have is Buckner leaving and Solomon Thomas stepping in and that you know that is is great on paper, but you'd have to see if Solomon Thomas has the ability to handle that role because a lot of stuff is being thrown at that person, whether it's you know double teams in both pass rush and run situations constantly um, yeah. you know,
2: it, that's my issue with that i, right, I don't I, I don't think I want. Sally, full time because he's not big.
1: No, he's not. I mean, he's buff, but he's not. He's not six eight, three hundred and ten pounds. Right. You know, or so. he's not
2: three hundred anything. I mean, you know, he's like two seventy five, two eighty. Right. So, so that know. I mean,
1: that could be. It's all great. Like like I said, it's all great on paper. But if if Solomon Thomas can't hold up there, then obviously you got to think about moving Armstead in. And it, to your point, I think that you know the idea that. Solomon Thomas is your defensive end on base downs when you would expect, not always, but you expect the offense to run the ball, and he gives you a solid run defender that can, you know, hold the edge. Whereas, you know, in a, on passing situations, you don't quite need him as much. Um, you know, you could let him come come from the inside, but you know, when when you have D Ford and Nick Bosa both, that, or, yeah, D Ford and Nick Bosa both out there, you know, maybe he's and on, Armstead. maybe Solomon Thomas, yeah, and Armstead, maybe Solomon Thomas on the field. I'd probably rather just from what I've seen go with DJ Jones. And I think the 49ers would probably agree with that, but there's, you know, there's different ways to set that up. And I think the 49ers can feel perfectly fine with knowing that they can kind of put Armstead anywhere. And as long as he's playing at the level that he was last year, um, then I would expect to see more of the same. So it's, I'm, and I have seen um, Kinlaw mock to the 49ers quite a bit. And, I don't necessarily like I made, I made a comment or I, I, I retweeted Daniel Jeremiah, who's one of my favorite NFL draft, uh, follows. He's just a real well-rounded dude, very classy, very cool about his takes and stuff like that. He's never really like sensational. So if you don't follow him, you should check him out. I, th- I think his Twitter tags, just Daniel Jeremiah, but I'm not, I'm not sure. Um, and he, he said his ideal ideal draft for the 49ers was landing Kinlaw in the first round. And and I just think that, you know, I, it's not the sexiest pick, and it's not it wouldn't be very high on my list of players the 49ers could land at pick number 13. But at the same time, kind of relating to what we were just talking about, if they did go that route, like I said, don't flip out. I'm not saying they should because um, I'm pretty sure 99.9% of 49ers fans are tired of defensive linemen in the first <laughs> round. Um, yeah. If they did go that route then you plug him in where buckner was i i would think and then you just roll you you run do right. the exact same thing you were doing last year and, and you you now have a, a, a an effective defensive lineman in that spot for maybe one fourth the cost i mean i I don't know the exact layouts of that contract for a number thirteen pick but you know there there's some benefits of it but obviously as as we're gonna well ask your question
2: all right so if your intentions oh, okay no like no, no. Would you if you're the 49ers and and you feel like or would you make a trade for one of the better players on your defense? Would you I mean would you trade him away if you didn't feel like you had a replacement in place for him? You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. would you trade Buckner if you don't have a replacement for him? Like if or, you know what I'm saying? Like or if you don't have something in mind like maybe it is drafting a guy there but I just can't see them like, you know what, we're gonna get rid of Buckner and we're just gonna have a void there and then we'll figure out how to how to, you know, play around. Right. It. I yeah. just can't I just can't see that. No. And, and I and I wouldn't think it's smart or I wouldn't want to um trade him and like I would have just if, if that was if I were like, oh I have to replace Buckner, I would never just get rid of him. I would just let Armstead walk. And I would get my comp pick for the following year. And I know that I have an edge rusher and I can have somebody else play it based down. I wouldn't get rid of Buckner, who is a, like a Pro Bowl tackle. You see what I'm saying? The only so, way I yeah, get rid I get of get Buckner you. is if I feel like I have somebody else that can play there and be really good there. And that's why I'm like, Armstead's just going inside full time.
1: And it could be. And it could be. And we're gonna we're gonna pause there because we're we're very, very successfully transitioning to uh, you know, talking about that number thirteen pick. But before we do, wanted to get get a quick word in for our our primary sponsor this week, and that's BetOnline.ag. And obviously, the landscape for betting right now is just a little bit different. With currently no NBA, no NHL, no MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner still has hundreds of sports events and games to wager on. Or let them bring Vegas to you with their online casino and blackjack. They're all open 24 hours a day and all online, including their $750,000 poker series. If you're into props and entertainment betting, you can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the weather. (laughs) Visit their website and join today to receive a 100% welcome bonus with your first posit. Okay, that's 100% welcome bonus. So whatever you put in, they're going to match it. Be sure you use our promo code blue wire. That's B L U E W I R E all one word bet online, your online wagering experts. All right. So we're talking about number 13 now and no, I what you were asking before we took our quick break. I don't, you know, the 49ers are in a, no matter what, they were kind of I wouldn't say backed into a corner, but they were in a tough spot. And they had to evaluate their their entire roster and they had to evaluate that position, the defensive line, to figure out what they were gonna be able to do with that situation. How could you make the most? I think relatively early on, they probably realized they weren't gonna be able to resign everybody, obviously. And they just had to figure out how were they going to get the most value out of a crappy situation. You know, and it's I say crappy yeah. situation, but it's a good situation because it's a good team, you know, that has to part ways with good players, and we see it all the time. Okay, they didn't do something wrong by having to trade DeForest Buckner. That's just the way it works. Trent balky bless his soul, drafted a really, really good player. Two of them. I mean, what's funny is the 49ers have I've had a lot of fun with Trent balky's three first round picks and Eric Armstead, DeForest Buckner, and Jimmy Ward, Um, you know, for a guy that got such a horrible rap and he deserved it, but you know, at least he did some things right. Um, They had to make the best out of that situation. And obviously they saw DeForest Buckner as who somebody that, that wasn't necessarily irreplaceable, but obviously could get a lot of value. And that's why they were able to get the 13th overall pick and, just given the amount of shitty trades we've seen this offseason, the fact that the 49ers are the ones that come out with the most value is kind of impressive. Like, obviously mm-hmm. they, they traded, you know, what might've been the best player. You know, obviously if you were to Deandre Hopkins would be able to have something to say about that, but it's, you know, they got number 13. So now there's 49ers just sitting with pick number 13 and pick number 31. All right, and there's just so many different things, and and Crocker and I haven't really rehearsed this. We haven't gone over this, uh, but there's so many different scenarios that the 49ers can do with those two picks, and there's, I mean, it's just, you just kind of have to break them down one by one. So let's just start with pick number 13. Let's say the 49ers do nothing with it, and they sit there and, and they pick. Who are some of the guys that you feel like, maybe like your top two or your top three guys that you feel like the 49ers should really be looking at, at 13? Uh,
2: You know, ideally in a perfect world, it's, it's Judy, you know, it's gotta be Jerry Judy. Um, Just from the perspective, you know, this is the guy that the 49ers have wanted. Now they, they've, they haven't been in a position to really draft a receiver high like this. I mean, obviously, you know, Debo Samuel last year, they traded up for, Pettis the previous year, Um, but this type of talent at receiver, right? Because even with Pettis, and I think it was you that said Jerry Judy is what Shanahan wants Pettis to be. Were you the one to say that?
1: I don't know if I said that. I don't know if I would. I I would say that (laughs) because I don't see them. They don't. No. Yeah, You're,
2: you're you're correct in that sense, but I think that's what he was hoping that Perez could be, right? You know, an explosive, good route runner and all those things where we have seen flashes of it, but it's not in the same tier as as far as being a prospect goes um as Judy is. And I, I think at this point man with where the 49ers roster is, you have an opportunity that you don't really have, you don't get this opportunity many times to be able to get this dynamic and explosive of a receiver. Um I do like, you know, obviously there are other receivers, there's Rugs and some other guys, but when you look at Jerry Judy's game and what he's able to do, the places you're able to line him up, the way he gets in and out of his breaks, how he explodes out of his breaks, the way he makes guys miss after the catch, um, the way he, I mean, he plays so fast. He ran a 4.45, which is a fast 40. He plays faster than that. Um, and But the way he's able to get in and out of his breaks and cuts, man, I mean, it, it's really just a thing of beauty. And I haven't seen too many prospects like that. And typically when you do, those guys go top 10, right? The Sammy Watkins, who obviously, you know, his career probably isn't as, you know, been as good as what he would have hoped. Um, But, you know, he went to poor situations. And the 49ers are a team that just was in the Super Bowl. And they have an opportunity to draft 13th and possibly get a guy like Jerry Judy to make their offense even better. He instantly, he walks in day one as the best receiver on the 49ers roster. And I think that you, you you can you can wait, and I know we'll touch on different scenarios. You can wait and draft a guy later, but typically those guys are always missing a little something. And who knows? Maybe they can develop and this be something great, right? We've seen Keenan Allen get drafted in the third round and he's great. We've seen DeAndre Hopkins drafted twenty seventh, he's great, you know. But more times than not, that's typically not how it works. Um, but guys do get lucky here and there. Um, But when you kind of, uh, you know, consider how many guys get drafted, you know, at receiver every year and how many have been just great, it's few and far in between. So when you have an opportunity to draft somebody that fits exactly what you want out of your receivers to be that versatility, to be able to play outside, play inside, easily beat man from any, you know, from outside or inside. And uh, the routes he's able to run from all over the field, he's Shanahan and Garoppolo's best friend. And I feel like you just you you have to get that guy if he's there. And if he's not, <laughs> well, I wouldn't even say if he's not. If you feel like one of these guys are gonna get him, you got the Jets at eleven, you have the uh the Raiders at at 12, then you jump up in front of him and you do what you have to do to get to get up in front of him and pick that player. Because I, I think that's you know, there are other guys that are talented in this draft, but I think he helps the 49ers more right now and in the future, you know, especially paired up with Debo Samuel and guys, um, I, I just think it's something that you, I couldn't pass up on that. I couldn't, I just can't.
1: Yeah, you've got the you've got the Jets at 11 and the Raiders at 12. And to me, it just seems like it would be a healthy amount of of karma for the 49ers. Because remember a couple of years ago when they beat the Raiders in that coin toss and they, they got the pick in front of the Raiders and they took Mike McGlinchey, who apparently was, who the, who the Raiders really wanted. And I think the Raiders ended up taking a tackle right after them. That was, yeah, like, Colton Miller. Right, was just horrible. Or, you know, I, I don't know how he's playing, but I know it was just considered a horrible pick. Um,
2: he was horrible. It was rookie year. That's for sure. I don't know about right. last year, but I know it was rookie year. He was horrible.
1: So, it, you know, it would, it would be just, you know, just the karma for Jerry Judy to somehow fall to number 12. And then he gets snatched up by the Raiders right in front of the 49ers that seems like that would just be the case but and and I'm glad you mentioned it because not just Jerry Judy, Judy because the 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 problem I have with Jerry Judy and it's not a bad problem per se is that I feel like NFL teams I feel like for some reason by the scouting community and I have no expert background to back up this opinion but I feel like the scouting community community undervalues Jerry Judy like I feel like every now and then you have guys that put CeeDee Lamb in front of him, that put Henry Ruggs in front of him, and I feel like it's not even close. Like, it's not. I, I feel like Jerry Judy, he, won't, he might not be a top five pick just because of the way the top part of the rounds are going to unfold with a few teams that need quarterbacks, but I feel like Jerry Judy should be in the top five, and there should be teams in the top five that should be considering him even if they have other needs because he's just that good. And I, and so while I do feel like there is a chance that he falls to the 49ers at 13, I feel like there's also a chance that another team that everybody expects to go a different direction, like let's say the Arizona Cardinals, you know, just cause they traded for Deandre Hopkins. I think everybody might write them off at receiver or something and they could very easily just look at it and go, yeah, they've got, they've got other investments at in that position too. And it, it might not make immediate sense, but, like, dude, we could have DeAndre Hopkins and Jerry Judy for Kyler Murray, you know. And, and now that pick that at first, you know, the Kyler Murray pick was kind of questionable, but everyone understood it. But now the dude's just throwing a star wide out, you know. So, anyways. What about the
2: Jaguars?
1: Yeah, Jaguars. I mean, I could see it from quite a few of the different teams. You know, they've all might have other perceived names, but what I'm trying to say is Judy's that good to, Judy's good enough to change these teams' minds. And, you know, I think we and, saw
2: that with Denzel Ward. Remember Denzel Ward how he went forth? And we were talking about he could possibly be there around the time the 49ers were drafted. And boom, the Bear, I mean the Browns, who we didn't expect to take him at all, drafted him over Chubb. And I think a lot of people thought the Browns would take Chubb, uh, uh Bradley Chubb at right. that time. And they didn't. And the, they they they, yeah. they drafted the corner and nobody was expecting it. And I, I think that's where you're going with this, right?
1: Well, yeah, because then um I know the Denver Broncos had a trade worked out right after them. They were the next pick after the Browns. And the Denver Broncos had a trade back worked out with another team. I can't remember the team. And once the Browns took Ward over Chubb, the Broncos canceled that trade because they could not believe that Bradley Chubb made it to them. You know, so it's the same type of thing. I could just see the scouting community kind of undervaluing or overthinking Jerry Judy and then NFL teams not overthinking it. Now, I'm not saying that NFL teams don't routinely overthink things, but, you know, and I could see Jerry Judy being gone quite a ways before the 49ers even pick. But that being said, if he starts to fall to like the Jaguars at nine or the Browns at 10, if I'm the 49ers, I'm calling and I'm saying, I'm that I, mean, I, I, I don't think that. It's necessary because I'm going to assume he's going to go at 11 or 12. I'm just going to assume it, and if I like, if if the 49ers like him as much as I do, I think Jerry Judy has the capability of being like the next Julio Jones. Like he doesn't, yeah. he he doesn't have some of the same qualities. Like I feel like Julio Jones is a is a but little. I don't bit, want
2: to compare him to Julio. Right. I, Julio and I is, But Odell oh, Beckham.
1: Right. Any. But I I don't you know I, I hate those types of comparisons, but I think he's that good. And I've always thought he was that good. I remember watching him when he was coming out of high school, competing in those little summer camps and stuff like that. The guy was just making people look like idiots. And I was like, man, I can't wait to see this guy play college football. And sure enough, he just lights everything up. So, I mean, if I'm the 49ers and if I have to ditch pick number 31 to make sure that I, I don't necessarily know that it would cost that much to move up three spots, four spots, but... If that's what I had to do to get your guy, the guy that you are obsessed with, then you do it and no one will ever care. That's the biggest thing you learn over time. Like there are teams that overpay for, for trades or whatever, but if it works out, no one cares. Right. No, literally no one will ever care. If he develops into the the wide receiver one that, that I think he is. And I know you think he is. No one will ever care if they gave up like pick number 31 to move up three spots. It just won't matter because it worked out people only care when it doesn't work out right um you know and there's but there's other options i don't want to spend 20 minutes gushing about jerry judy but uh you know i really really like rugs i think he's very good and i also think that shanahan's going to really really like him too he just seems like a shanahan type of guy to me he's he's a good route runner he's super he's super fast and what i like about rugs is he's not quite at least from an, from an eye test, he doesn't quite look like a John Ross where he's super, super skinny and super, he's a little bit more filled out than most guys that run that fast are. Like mm-hmm. he's, he's not super built, but at the same time, he just doesn't look frail, if that makes sense. Yeah.
2: Well, because he, I, I hear people say, oh, he's tiny. One hit, he's going to break. And I'm like, he's not really, he's 5'11", 190. Like yeah, that's right. not, and these are for, these are kids that, you know, we're talking about Jerry, Jerry Judy's only 20 years old right now. You know, Ruggs is young like that, too. So um, these are dudes that definitely even over the next few years, they're going to fill out more and kind of grow in uh, to their man body a little bit, you know, especially some of these like thinner guys. So, yeah, right now, you know, he's 5'11", 190. That's not that's not bad. It's not like Deshaun Jackson, who is 175 pounds, you know, at the combine. Right. Like, that's for so- that's real. <laughs>
1: You know, and and I, I like C.D. Lamb a little bit more than I think you do. Like, I, I really, really like him. I feel like with a little bit of work on his routes, he could really develop into something scary because I feel like he's already got the contested catch, crazy-ass, you know, crazy yeah, catching things down. But the reason, part of the reason he's having to make those catches is because he's not getting that much separation at times. You know, so I feel like with a little bit of work, he could he could be – a wide receiver that could be, that's key, That's, that's worth the number 13 overall pick. I'm just not sure, but I don't know. At the same time, you see all of these different big boards from all these different people. And some people have CD lamb as the, as the wide receiver run one and rugs. And Jerry Judy are a few spots behind. So, you know, what about, what about non-quarterbacks? So what's your, or excuse me, non-wide receivers. What's your, what's your, your first, what direction would you go if wide receiver was off the board?
2: So if I'm the 49ers and I'm at 13 and, you know, my guy is going right? It's Judy. To me, it's Judy. Or maybe Ruggs I'll take there. Um, yeah, I do like Ruggs. I just... Judy. Like, to me, it's like, you got to get Judy. But anyways, um, if he's not there, I, I, a position that I just don't see them drafting. And this is where I think maybe you could see the 49ers go with, like, a Kinlaw or maybe a Brown if he slips there and, you know, play somebody at defensive tackle because it's like, man, this is just the best player on my draft board but CJ Henderson uh cornerback out of out of Florida I really like him to me he's he has the most upside uh of any cornerback in this class that's even consi- uh, taken into account of Jeff Okuda. um and what I like about CJ one he has the ideal size that the 49ers look for 6'1 204 pounds. Uh, you know he's lengthy uh, he's fast right you know he ran a 439 and speed isn't everything but at the cornerback position it's 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 something that you typically like you you want you want to be fast because when you're guarding guys like that's it's something you kind of think about can i run with this guy if i can't do i have to defend him di- differently when you run a to 439 you you don't those things don't go through your head you just line up with whoever lines up across from you knowing you can run with them and and one thing I really loved about him and his film, he took on some tough challenges. Um, you know, he guarded Jamar Chase for an entire game, uh, whether Chase was on the outside, whether he was on the inside. Um, he was all over, man. And he, didn't, he did a very good job. There were some things that he could clean up, but there are things that are coachable. The things I can't coach, I can't coach 6'1", 204, and runs a 4.39. I can't coach that. But I can teach you, hey, right here on the goal line, don't give space here. Hey, Right here, you know, instead of stepping like this, step like this. Hey, instead of shooting with two hands, like those are things I can I can coach. And I thought he did those things well. He played extremely well that game. But there were a few uh, clips where I'm like, you know what? He could do this or this better. And then it's like, boom. There were like four plays in a row where I see him put it all together. And I'm like, dude, this is the most talented cornerback in this class. And if I'm the 49ers, I don't see the 49ers doing that just because of the way that the cornerback position is playing out um, with you kind of have your starters. And I think at 13 right now, you're looking for somebody that could potentially come in and from day one uh, contribute to a Super Bowl run. This is not like previous years where it was like, hey, we have time, you know, know, we need guys to develop. And yeah, you want guys to develop, but you also want guys right now that can make an immediate impact. I think he is somebody that comes in and if you didn't have a Sherman or you didn't have a Mosley or somebody that you're really confident on the other side, he would be the perfect guy. And to me, he I i like him so much, and especially playing in the 49er scheme, I like him so much, or any scheme really, but I like him so much that I wouldn't trade up. Like right now I'm thinking you got to trade up for Judy. But I like him so much that I wouldn't trade up for Judy, and I would just, hey, let me see if C.J. Henderson's here. Now I've seen some mocks that have him going as high as like seven to like the Panthers or nine to Jacksonville. So, you know, I don't know if he's going to be there, but – I, I'm i really high on him, and if he's there at 13, that is a guy that I feel like the 49ers finally have a cornerback one and not just some guy that's kind of, oh, let me see what I got from this guy or I can get from him or this, you know. I get the uh, – who I think is the best cornerback in this class, very fluid, very versatile, plays good from off, which a lot of people don't give him enough credit for that. Um, definitely make plays, and he has speed, man. You guys should see this one clip. He chased down Debo Samuel, and we know Debo can run. And it was like a 90-yard play, and this guy, Debo, flew by him. He was getting blocked. Oh, I'll touch on that too, but he was getting blocked. Debo flew by him, and I'm like, oh, my God, Debo's to the crib. And this guy just hauls ass, and he runs Debo down from behind. And we've seen Debo, right, those miles per hour that he hits um, every week, it seems like, in the NFL, he's one of the fastest guys. He can run, and CJ ran him down like it was easy. So that's the type of athlete you're dealing with. Now, the biggest knock on him that a lot of people bring up is his tackling. And I don't think it's so much that he can't tackle. I think sometimes his effort to tackle isn't there. Now, a coach told me one time, he was like, man, we we pay you to, to cover. We don't pay you to tackle. But you also don't want guys to be a liability in the run game. So with him, it was pretty hit and miss. Uh, there was a game that stands out to everybody against uh, Miami, where his tackling was atrocious that game. He missed some tackles. He just had poor attempts. Uh, but I thought there were other games where I saw, and I'm like, well, he's shooting right here, and he has no issues going up in tackles. So it's something that was just a little inconsistent, and I would think that he would, you know, if you can, hey, I need you to, you know, be more consistent with your tackling. If you get that, I think he's far away the best cornerback in this class with the guys he had to cover week in and week out. I know a lot of people go to Jeff Okuda, um, but Akuda, when I look at, like, who this guy play? Is is not very impressive compared to the guys that uh, uh, Henderson had to cover week in and week out. So I know I kind of went long there, but uh, CJ Henderson, man, like I really like him. I just don't see the 49ers drafting cornerback guy.
1: Well, and another interesting option that I was thinking about one of the, well, before I get to that, one of the players that, and, and I know it's not a sexy pick whatsoever, but Tristan, Tristan Worfs, I believe that's how you say his last name. He's an offensive lineman from Iowa. Um, he's a guy I could see the 49ers taking a close look at for one, because I know they have some close ties with the Iowa program, especially after the Kittle pick and, and, you know, they just cut Mike person. They released him. I guess, I guess I should have covered that in the, the news at the top of the hour, but they cut Mike person who was, which is interesting enough because he, you know, signed a three-year deal this year. So, you know, obviously he played out his first year and still had two years left and uh, they cut him they he didn't have any guaranteed money so the 49ers were able to save some cap space but tristan Wirfs out of out of iowa he's a he's just a real interesting prospect he's real like gritty he's real he's a beast and i know uh jared brown who some of you might follow on twitter he saw him at the senior bowl and said he was just i believe he saw we talk about a lot of people he sees at the senior bowl and i believe he was one of them that was there um but he he had a lot of he, – and he specializes in offensive line. He had a lot of positive things to say. Um, and that's somebody who could play guard. And then is he's a tackle right now, so he could eventually be someone that steps in for Joe Staley whenever and he steps away, which I'm assuming is going to happen relatively soon, whether it's you know after this season or next season or, or wherever that is. So that's an interesting prospect. But another interesting scenario is let's say that the 49ers just aren't all that enthused about anybody is there at 13 an interesting scenario that a lot of people have I mean, because we you and even you and I have talked a lot about trading out of pick number 31 because there's going to be a lot of people that want to move up into the back of the first round they can get you know they can fill out the second and third and fourth rounds that they don't have picks in but another scenario and it's not going to make anybody excited but you know I wonder if they got a great offer to trade out of 13 and move back like five or six spots and then you're looking at you know you're still getting two first round picks cuz wherever you trade back to and you also have probably filled out those rounds where you didn't have a pick. You know what I mean? Like it's like, right. it, it's an interesting scenario. And, and like I said, it's not necessarily the sexy scenario. Cause you basically said, okay, we didn't get the player we wanted up at 13 and now we're going to forfeit, you know, down five, six, whatever picks. And we're, you know, it's just, obviously it's a downgrade in, in terms of the player you're going to get. But as far as the draft class as a whole, it would be interesting if the 49ers traded, let's say from 13 to 18. And now they have a pick at 18, then they have another pick at 31. And then let's say they also have second and third round picks now. So, you know, that's just an interesting way to fill out the draft class that still gives you two first round picks, two fifth round options um, or fifth year options, excuse me. That's just an interesting scenario that just popped up into my head because obviously there's so many different things the 49ers can do. They can stay tight at 13 and they can stay tight at 31, two first-round picks. They can stay tight at 13, or they could trade out of 31 and fill out those those empty rounds. Or you know, they can use 31 and 13 to move up a little bit further and get that one guy that they really wanted because that's something you have to think about with the 49ers' rosters. How many guys are they going to draft that one is going to make the team and two is going to start, whether that's this year or next year, you know, on a low, on a pretty loaded roster that just got is coming off the Super Bowl. So, you know, while filling out your draft class with, you know, by trading back and creating picks in other rounds seems fine and it's entertaining because you get to watch the 49ers pick somebody, are they just picking guys that are just going to be backups? You know, so right. it's, it, it's, it's a tough situation for successful teams when, you know, obviously you have to keep filling out your roster and you have to have guys that are going to be ready to step in when somebody has to leave. Um, but it's just, at this their 49ers at a point where they have very very quickly built a roster that doesn't have a whole lot of holes and it's pretty well-rounded has good depth so you as exciting as it is to have a lot of draft picks you have to understand where are those going to go they also have they're pretty tied up against the salary cap and every single one of those draft picks has to get paid so interesting it's it's i mean obviously i was borderline heartbroken at losing a guy like DeForest Buckner. He was one of my favorite players on the roster, but getting that number 13 pick has just opened up all these crazy possibilities for the 49ers. They're one of those teams. They're like one of those X factor teams of the draft where they could really, especially in that first round, really, really influence what happens with all the different scenarios.
2: So say the, say the Niners went the route of getting a warps, right? Who, you know, he'd step in day one, he'd be able to play right guard, which is pretty much, I mean, you know, I know, I know a lot of people like um, uh, uh, Brunskill, but say Warfs, you know, he's just a more uh, higher pros- prospect, you know, he's more dominant, he's somebody who can step in right now, play right guard, and and when Staley retires, he can go over and he can play left tackle, right? So say you have that situation, you take him at 13, what would you do at 31?
1: I think looking at a receiver has to be a part of one of those two picks. Right. I think that because especially like if they can get a Debo Samuel at 33 or 34, wherever they picked him, then you should expect as long, and especially in this wide receiver class, it's very deep. You should expect to be able to get a player of Debo's caliber at 31, maybe a little bit better depending on how the draft board falls. So, whatever picks you were, whatever position you were looking at at 13, you should be looking at the same positions at 31, because to me, they kind of, you know, if you're talking corner, if you're talking wide receiver, both of those classes are pretty good. And you should be able to get somebody that's going to step in and start whether you picked them at 31 or 13. And, you know, there's, and and you would be able to speak on this a lot better than I would, but there's, you know, there's Brandon, Ayuk, there's Jalen Rager, um, one interesting name, and I haven't done a lot of, a lot of homework on him is, uh, LaVisca. How do you say his last name? Shine not Yeah. It's not. And, and I know a lot of people aren't very into him and I haven't looked at him enough to, to be one way or the other, but he's somebody that might be, I can't remember what his medical, his medical issue was, but he's somebody that might be falling down to where yeah. he's, you know, on, on some, of, I've seen him as like a top 15 prospect on a lot of draft boards, but he could be moving down. Um, just based on some of the new recent news about him, I think it was a medical issue. I just can't remember. Yeah, like
2: an abdominal something going right. on, and he was banged up a lot of his time at Colorado as well. I, I don't know if it's because of the way they used him, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, he had some issues, you know, with the injuries and stuff. You know, yeah, going back to Colorado, then I think he heard it again, where he was hurt again at the combine. I don't think he did anything after the uh, after the forty where he ran a four five nine. And then I think it came out that he had like some yeah, the abdominal injury. And then, you know, haven't heard from him since. But he he's definitely somebody that has been dealing with injuries. And I was somebody that didn't really care for his film, but I know a lot of other people, you know, they they really liked him. So I like um, Denzel Mims.
1: Mims a lot too. He's somebody yeah, that could be down there. And I know yeah. you've done your homework on him. Um, another interesting one is AJ Espinessa, the, the edge guy out of Iowa. You know, he's right around that area as far as his, his draft stock goes. And Maybe he's somebody that is almost like a, and like I said, I know people aren't all excited about edge D line, whatever you want to call it defensive end, but he's somebody that could step in. Let's say they don't have a whole lot of faith in Solomon Thomas. He's somebody that can step in right in the gap that if, if you're going to send Eric Armstead in to replace DeForest Buckner, he's somebody that is, has a build that's a lot like Eric Armstead and DeForest Buckner. He's six six, two hundred eighty 280 pounds, not necessarily the flexibility and the move movement of like a pure edge rusher, but he's a, he's a solid defensive end that would be able to step in right for where, where Armstead was. And maybe you're looking at no drop off whatsoever on an, on an insane defensive, an elite defensive line. So, yeah. you know, there's, there's a lot of things. And, you know, one of the things that kind of just thought about right now, and there's probably all kinds of scenarios I haven't thought through with this is, you know, what if they're looking at edge guys at pick number 13, you know, there's a uh, Chasen out of, out of LSU that I know is right around there for a lot of people And because maybe they don't want to keep D Ford on the roster at at what he's being paid. And, you know, there's just all kinds of scenarios that you have to consider now that the 49ers are are in the sweet spot for finding some pretty impressive talent. Um, I don't know. I don't know, man. There's still so much work I have to do with these prospects. And there's so many different. It's just it's just crazy now, because like we said, not too long ago, we were kind of it's going to be a boring draft for us because the 40, it was like,
2: whatever. right? (laughs) We,
1: I mean, we were watching them because we take enjoyment out of some of this stuff, but, and and I know you were doing a fantastic job covering some of these guys on Twitter and making your threads, but we just considered them all out of reach. And then all of a sudden, boom, we don't have DeForest Buckner anymore, but we're pick number three thirteen. 13. So do your homework.
2: Yeah. And I was like, okay. And I started looking at the guys and that was when I really started falling in love with, or out of love with some of these younger, uh, guys I expect to go a little higher and I started really looking at them for you know who they are how they fit with the Niners um and what their skill sets are and you know it's been fun it's been a lot of fun
1: right yeah you got any uh you got any other takes on on the 49ers scenario just let's just you know in the first round
2: no I think that's that's about it okay
1: and I think so too and I think uh you know like I mentioned earlier I think maybe whether it's next I don't know I think we might be overdue for a mailbag we got we might we got to make sure we do one of those before the draft shows up I mean we got about a month definitely so we got about 3 I think we'll have 4 episodes to record before the draft I think one of them should be kind of going through and evaluate evaluating the performance of John Lynch in the front office I think that would be pretty cool to talk about um, going over you know, draft prospects some more. Doing a mailbag, and a, we'll come up with some other stuff too. But yeah, that'd be fine. But, anyways, as you can as you can already tell, I think we're going to wrap things up here tonight. Um, for everybody that's still listening, again, I appreciate you. Thank you for listening. Um, we hope that you guys are all safe and sound in your homes. Uh, make sure that you are taking all of this very seriously. Um, on that note, I've had two family members that have gotten the coronavirus, which is wow. crazy to say. Um, my, my little sister and my brother's fiance both went on a cruise in early March. Um, before any of the travel man stuff, cause all this happened very, very fast. Um, they went on a cruise and both of them got it and two people from their party got it and two other people from their party got it. My little sister, she showed, and I'm telling you this as a precautionary tale, uh, my little sister got it and she showed absolutely no symptoms whatsoever she never even got sick in the slightest. Now, I, I, I think some of you would probably hear that and go, oh man, that's encouraging. I can get it and not be on death's doorstep. Well, you could for sure. And I don't, and I say death's doorstep as if that's an option, but obviously it has killed some people. But at the same time, my brother's fiance had a 103 degree fever for like two weeks uh, and and could not shake it and had to go to the hospital for shortness of breath. So just, and, and I've been on a 14 day quarantine because they weren't sure if I've had it, but I haven't shown any symptoms. And the assumption is going to be that I don't have it. But then you see somebody like my sister who has no symptoms and went about her business like, oh, well, I'm, I'm fine. So just, it's a cautionary tale just because you're not right. feeling like crap doesn't mean that you don't have it. And the problem is, is, it could be absolutely nothing for you, but for somebody else in your family or somebody else you run into um, a friend um, it could be something big for them. The, the, the virus does not take the same shape for everybody. So make sure you're taking it seriously. Um, and I, you know, I'm glad that my brother's fiance is recovering, obviously she'll be fine, but it's just, I'm glad that I got to see that up close so that I can always take it seriously and I can make sure I'm not going out there and, uh, and doing my part to spread something that can affect families in very, very different ways. So, um, make sure you're taking it seriously. Stay inside. If you have to go outside, make sure you wash stay away your hands. From people. Yeah, wash your hands. <laughs> uh, hopefully, during this podcast, you've washed your hands like four times. Um, right. <laughs> you know, and it's just a matter of just be smart, guys, because this thing can can go away very, very fast if we're all smart. But if people aren't smart and they're stubborn and they think it's not a big deal, then it will not go away, and people will die, and it's going to suck. So um, take it seriously. I don't, I don't. Hopefully, I don't sound like I'm on a high horse. Uh, I just have experienced it firsthand very, very close, and I've seen how quickly it can creep up on you. So um, uh, just be safe, stay clean, um, you know. And again, appreciate you guys. Thanks for listening, and we will catch you next week. This is Striking Gold, signing out.